0: tuning in for the first one, and I can't wait for the second episode. For our second episode today, we have a special guest, Ms. Allison McAdam. Ms. McAdam is a veteran of the podcast and radio industry, and she gave some great insight during our interview today. I think this interview really added some depth to my project, and I'm really glad it happened. Without further ado, Ms. McAdam. hear a little bit about your background in podcasting and audio journalism?
1: Sure. Um, so... So my start comes sort of during and after college. Um, there was no podcasting then. <laughs> I'm a 99 college grad. Um, so uh, so my background for much of that time was in radio journalism. I... Um, I left college and started with a internship at a public radio station. This was in Boston at a station called WBUR. And, um, and I sort of moved on from an internship into a temporary job, into a full-time job. And um, I produced segments for a radio show. I wrote the newscasts you hear at the top of the hour on that local station. I was a producer for like a talk and call in show. So I did a lot of different kinds of radio formats, all, you know, all news and, you know, feature focus. Um, And after that, I went to NPR um, and worked for more than a decade at All Things Considered. So again, you know sort of news magazine as they call it style of radio journalism everything from you know scrambling when the news is breaking in the afternoon to sort of features you'd worked on for a while your reported stories from out in the country and that kind of thing and so I was a producer for that show and then I became the editor of that show and I can I can tell you more if it's it's helpful but that's sort of the the basic steps of, of what I moved through for the first like 15 years or so of my career. And all of that is before podcasting really had emerged as a big deal. Podcasting, technologically speaking, was in existence, you know, you probably know better than I do, <laughs> um, you know, during the aughts, uh, and NPR had some podcasts, but, um, you know, podcasting as a as a big form really didn't emerge until 20. I don't know. Again, you I'll let you be the expert on that. But um, it's only at that point that one would even say I had a career in podcasting. I mean, even then I was still working for radio shows. So
0: yeah, well, it seems like you've been around and you definitely uh, are an expert in this area, or at least have a lot of experience with audio journalism. So I do appreciate you coming to talk to me today sure and then yeah just so just going into some of the the theories I've I've wrote about my paper um some of the big ones one of them is called convergence culture okay that means is basically all of the types of mediums across like tv radio now podcasting and all that stuff and newspapers and all that have kind of come together in the digital age and I think one of the big things that I've Seen with podcasting is the development of like podcast networks like NPR and stuff and how like newspapers even like the New York Times they all have their own podcasting wing now so would you say that that's a trend that looks like it's going to continue or do you favor the independent uh podcasting personalities
1: yeah um well I think there's a couple different ideas going on in there I mean It's, it's one thing for, you know, the New York Times to have an audio wing. It's another thing for Spotify to buy up all the independents. Like these are kind Mm -hmm. of different, different, but related trends going on. So I think if I could separate them a little bit, like, I think that, I mean, I'm no business analyst. I do think there are real downsides to very large content companies buying up smaller shops in the sense that for journalism again which is one corner of this i think that trying to make journalism within organizations that are not fundamentally journalism organizations is problematic it doesn't mean it's not possible it doesn't mean there isn't or can't be great journalism made um, but it sort of moves journalism or any kind of sort of public service mission down down the ladder in terms of what's what's really driving driving things so for example you know clearly true crime podcasts or podcasts that at least get classified as true crime are considered very marketable so there's a lot of companies that might have initially begun with making podcasts that were at least like pseudo journalistic. And then they, they are so, but, but what they're really making, it's first and foremost, it's a commodity. It's a, it's a business play. And I'm not necessarily saying that's bad or good. It just is how that business works. Whereas it's not how a nonprofit news organization or even a for-profit news organization like the New York Times works. And so if more of those companies that are commodifying podcasts are buying up companies or entities of some kind that at least initially had a journalistic purpose, that's not good for journalism, I think. So that's one, that's one corner of the... Um, yeah, why don't I stop there and see if you Tell me if I didn't answer part of your question or if you want to go. And-
0: oh, no, you, you yeah. definitely did. That's kind of what I was trying to hint at where it looks like now with podcasting, at least at the beginning, it was definitely a lot of independent people doing it, but now it seems like podcasting is becoming more commodified and it's all major networks and all the popular podcasts are from the same, same organizations over and over again. And it looks like it's kind of, trending in that direction. At least that's what I've, I've noticed.
1: Yeah, well, it's, that's certainly the trend. I would encourage you though to think differently about an organization like NPR versus like Spotify. NPR was yeah. podcasting before anyone else and for different reasons than like mm-hmm. Spotify would be podcasting. And so like the existence of NPR as a network was was the original form. It wasn't a consolidation of anything. Um, yeah,
0: totally. And I think I would, that actually brings me to my next point. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with it, but I guess the first, people say the first really big podcast, the first viral podcast was Serial. And so Serial or whatever is the first big podcast. And I, my question to you is that true crime podcast, the audio storytelling, um, is that something that you think, uh, like what makes that so different than something you'd see on the radio or something on TV? What makes that a better product for journalism in in that sense?
1: So I don't think it is a better product for journalism. I think that, I think some podcasts that get categorized as true crime are excellent investigative journalism. I would hold up a podcast like In the Dark as like almost unrivaled. At that, and it gets classified as true crime. But if you talk to its creators, like they're not comfortable with that, with that title. Um, <clears throat> so I think that that there's a very different question about whether people like and flock to true crime because it's exciting and immersive or escapist or or whatever, versus whether true crime is actually achieving anything good for journalism. And I think that the more it gets, the more it's this sort of hot commodity category, the more stories I see coming out that um, I think provide sort of a skewed view of criminal justice, they focus on serial killers, they focus on these kinds of ideas that are not actually how the real world is, they're entertainment. And I think many of the people making it would agree it's entertainment. You know, there are some people who are making true crime who are truly, you know, mission driven in making real and good journalism and with a deep contextual understanding of the systems that they're trying to expose. But a lot of it is just entertainment. And like, I watch true crime fiction shows on TV. I'm like a big fan of you know, like the British mysteries or whatever, you know, the five part, What you know, I think that people who are flocking to that kind of thing, that there's a lot more connection between those things than there is between it saying anything about journalism. C- you know, Serial was a huge hit for reasons that, you know, millions of people have written about more intelligently than I have. Partly because they, you know, like what a lot of people say, and I'm sure you've come across this is just you have more time, you know, when it when there was only the radio, radio programming has very limited time holes that you have to fit into. Even if you have a full hour, you might have these very specific breaks that you have to hit. And so a lot of people were really enamored of podcasting because they were suddenly free. A lot of people from radio just felt liberated to say, I think this story should be this long and I don't have to pause for anything. They don't have to read the weather in the middle of my story. I can just tell a story. And so I think in the little world that is, you know, radio people transitioning to podcasting, um, there was a great sense of liberation um, and a sense that you could tell more creative and newly formatted stories. It's not to say it was a brand new concept at all, but it was a you know it was a renaissance of something that has has been around before for people who really were understandably tired of the limitations that radio created for them or they felt at least uh, yeah
0: and I think one term that people throw around sometimes is just that podcasting is on-demand radio because like you said you can pause it whenever and it's just it can fit your schedule I think I I would agree that's why podcasting is so popular now, and there's been kind of a revolution of podcasting in the last couple of years. Um, And that kind of goes into one of the other theories that I research too about like the uses and gratification of why people listen and their motivation. And one of the big ones is that um, people have time and they can do it themselves. And then like you mentioned earlier, with that freedom of storytelling, when you're producing a podcast or any type of audio journalism, how are you going about trying to make that audio feel like a like a television show or like setting the scene and stuff with purely audio? Is that is there a specific strategy towards that or is that just kind of storytelling in general?
1: I'll answer that in a second. I just thought of one other thing I want to mention that I think connects to something you were saying before. You may have already come across this, but I think a huge but sometimes less stressed factor in the growth of podcasting is the ability to download it directly to your phone.
0: Yes. the yes. moment,
1: you know, and you probably, again, know from your research, you know, we used to have to plug our phone or our iPod, you know, into the computer and download it. And that was friction, right? And when suddenly you could just get it right here without having to do some kind of transaction between another device, to me, that was huge, huge um, yeah I,
0: I would argue or a lot of people argue that the two biggest moments in podcasting was one serial and then the second one was the introduction of the podcast app on your iphone then I, I
1: think, think it's pretty huge I, I
0: wrote a big section so thank you for bringing up. Nice.
1: good okay i figured right you off my paper
0: covered, so that but, was awesome
1: um so you were asking about storytelling i mean again like i the way i always think about it is like mean you mentioned tv shows but like you know there isn't some hard line between audio storytelling and other forms of storytelling there are so many ways to tell a story in writing in images in sound and like while the techniques might not be exactly the same when you only have sound and not image like conceptually the ideas i think are very similar and so you know, there's not one answer. I would say like a podcast like S-Town, which I think is one of the best podcasts made, period, um, really is, is one of the only podcasts I've heard that truly felt like a novel, you know? And we could get into, although, you know, it's a little vague in my memory now, but sort of why was that novelistic when other podcasts aren't? And it has, you know, something to do with how it's structured and how it's told and how it's written. Um and how it uses characters and that kind of thing. But um, but, you know, there's other podcasts that are going for, you know, a, diff- a different kind of style. So I, I you know, I, I hesitate to, to say, you know, to say that any one thing I could say would apply to all podcasts. But I think like one of the fundamentals of audio journalism is that inevitably what you listen what you what you create is is experienced in a linear fashion right? So you start at zero and you go to like however long the podcast is. Whereas when you're reading, your eye can scan back and forth on a page. You can do your own quick rewind. You know, it's not to say that when we read books, we're constantly flipping back, but the podcast needs to unfold in a way that can be followed in a linear fashion. You don't want people to feel like they need to rewind because they missed something. And secondly, the way that the ear and I suppose ultimately the brain takes in information, there's a particular pacing to that. You know, if I say to you a long sentence with a lot of facts in it, all in one sentence, you're not going to catch every fact that I give you. Whereas if I dole those facts out more slowly and strategically, you're going to follow along. And so those aren't that's not even a narrative point. That's before you even get to crafting narrative. That's just basic audio writing skills, short sentences, being strategic about how you dole out ideas. I'll just say one, I mean, you're welcome to ask me to follow up on any of these, but you know, in terms of using sound, I think one of the key ideas with sound, as, as I learned from lots of great radio journalists is let your sound lead. So when you're writing print journalism, for example, quotes are used to usually to reinforce a lot of what's already been said. Whereas it's to oversimplify a little bit, it's kind of the opposite in audio. If you don't have your people saying the main ideas and your main ideas sort of introduced in tape or similarly with ambient sound, if you're not bringing us into a space using the sound first then what you tend to produce has more of a sort of, I heard somebody recently call it push play, where it's like, you say, you know, we walked into a barn and then you hear, you know, a bunch of barn animal. you know, it's sort of like push the button for that, push the button for that. Like, this is not like a sound effects library. We're telling you a story with sound and the narration, if there even is narration is, is in service to that.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that was, a perfect answer. And then just a follow up to that. So I know podcasting a lot of the time it's it's an opt-in media. so you have to it's not like playing in the background. you're choosing to listen to it. So how and it's a very intimate medium too because the person is choosing to listen to it. So how as a producer are you trying to establish that intimacy with the listener?
1: mean again every podcast is different right it's very different to be doing like a really highly produced narrative versus a chatty thing with your friends or whatever but you know a couple of the things that I think about a lot are that your beginning matters a lot you can't depend on you know like there are some novels right that have like Take 50 pages to get exciting or something like that or there are nonfiction books where there's a really long forward and then a first chapter that's kind of introductory like you can't do that in audio like you need to draw people in pretty quickly even if it's a long story because they've chosen to come to you and they need to understand why they're there pretty, pretty early. And again, of course, there's exceptions to this. And there's people who have more tolerance for, you know, much more artistic or avant-garde work who will, you know, come and stay for the whole thing. And, you know, these rules don't apply to everything. But so that that's one thing I think that I often think a lot about. I don't know if you're into theater at all, but I, I, I find theater analogies really useful. And And one of the ideas in theater is the breaking of the fourth wall. You know, are you speaking to your audience as opposed to talking amongst yourselves or just presenting your material, you know, and it's everything from using, literally using pronouns, like first person pronouns, or directly addressing an audience to kind of acknowledging what an audience might be thinking. You know, there are podcasts you hear where someone says, you know, you might be thinking, you know, as you hear this, or they do that in a more subtle way. But in podcasts I'm working on, that's often something that comes up where we say, like, I think we need to say X, Y, or Z because our audience might think this. And so you're trying to think a lot about what the audience experience might be in the course of listening to this and how you can you know, directly or indirectly address that which kind of makes them feel heard. I think, I think a third, I'll just say one, one more thought which is like, likability matters a lot in terms of a host for a podcast and I think that goes for you know a chatty interview podcast or for for a more narrative podcast that you know and of course likability is a very subjective and and probably fraught kind of thing but there is a performance element to it and you want your audience to like you um because if you sound like I mean of course again people like different things some people think joe rogan is great and some people don't you know so we like different things but you know i think a lot about you know podcasts that have a real kind of flat narration versus a podcast where the narrator is engaging or it tracks your affection in some way as being a a very powerful and important thing and of course in traditional radio you know and i'm i'm not saying this is sort of good or bad, but in traditional radio, there was a very, like, I am the voice of God delivering the news to you. Like, I was never a big fan of that, but that was certainly where a lot of the, what a lot of this was reacting to.
0: Yeah, I think, at least from what I've read so far, a lot of the the positives of podcasting is the ability to kind of take on a character of your own within that narration. Um, and I guess, like you said, it's not something you could do in the radio, of yesteryear so I, I-,
1: I Claire, I I always I, I was always a little bit of a, maybe a minority there but I've always thought like radio too can be a very intimate medium like people love their favorite radio shows in a way that they don't love other things so I've never been a huge fan of this kind of like binary definition of like podcasting is intimate somehow radio isn't and I'm not saying you're saying that but I just I hear that and I see that. And it's like, that's not the point either. Radio can be very intimate. But yes. But it wasn't would, necessarily seen as as the core idea.
0: I totally agree with that as well. And I think like one of some of the the big points um, that people, have, at least in the literature I have read, is they they point back to a lot of like World War II era radio.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That was super intimate, and you could hear the ambient noise in the background of wars.
1: London Blitz stuff.
0: Stuff like that, where it's very intimate, and a lot of people point to podcasting as kind of more or less a replica of that as they try to recreate that atmosphere and in the, in the, the setting um, with just audio. And I think, uh, like you said, that is something that I, th- I, I, I think podcasting does well in that area. Yeah. Not that radio doesn't, but I think people generally trend towards using podcasts now.
1: Yeah. Well, and it, again, I think a really important point to make there is that what podcasting can't do, at least so far, I mean, various sor- forms of streaming media can, but podcasting, for the most part, is not reporting live for anyone. The tech, right? The you know, and so, so I think you can also look at it from a different perspective, which is like you might get a really intense, powerful live report on TV or on radio from someone who's in the middle of a war scene or whatever. Nobody's doing that on podcasting. And so, so podcasting has to create other kinds of intensity. Um, You know, I think someday, I don't understand this technologically, but I certainly presume that someday there will be this kind of convergence technologically. And so it's like, well, that's why I think probably on-demand audio is a better, broader term for it. But right now, that's the one area that podcasting has not completely disrupted is live radio, which can be a, intimate in a, and 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 in, in, immersive in a in a in a, wh- in a way that podcasting just like can't challenge.
0: That actually led right into my next question about what do you see the future of audio journalism and podcasting or on on-demand, on-demand radio whatever you want to call it what do you see as the future is it that convergence of trying to get alive that you were just mentioning or do you see other things too
1: I mean I would say upfront that I'm not a future predict like I <laughs> totally don't know <laughs> um, but just to look at you know even if if I were able to just look a little bit ahead based on what's already happening like it is very clear, that the broad category of the media industry into which you could put, you know, film companies and TV and you know various forms of digital media that like, everybody thinks podcasting is a big play to make right now. And I think that at least so far, and again, your research will be better than mine on this, people are making money from it, right? So one of the big questions about podcasting and on-demand audio generally is, can they sell ads on it? You know? And because it's so often supported that way. And it seems as I watch like more and more Hollywood people get into it and every celebrity has a podcast. And I mean, it's a little ridiculous, like not everybody needs a podcast, you know? I'm I would sure agree, with, crossed, that. I like, sure agree with that. like the memes about that and but we're still in that moment. like we seem to be still going up. you know, I haven't seen the like leveling off. It seems like everybody's you know, when I even just like I, I find it really interesting to keep an eye on on job postings, not because I'm looking, but just because it tells me what's going on in the in the industry and you see more and more media companies adding or increasing the size of their audio teams. You know, and I happen to know that some of them totally fail at that. You know, they're like, let's make podcasts and they they do it terribly and people quit. And there's a lot of turnover, but that seems to still be ramping up. And I think there are even companies that have been pretty late to this who have sort of been like, hmm, maybe we should have a podcast, but hadn't really invested in it. And I think there's so there's probably still room to grow, not to mention the fact that it seems like every movie now has to have like a podcast podcast partner, you know, like, I mean, that stuff is, I'm just sort of scratching my head over it too. And I, it seems to me like there's some point at which we hit some kind of, what's, what's the word, you know, and the market saturation, you know, but again, I'm, I'm no business analyst, so I don't know how one is supposed to think about that, but it, I can't imagine that it will go up and up forever. And of course, as I'm sure you've been studying, you know, ad Ad um, sales is not the only way that podcasting can be supported. Various companies are trying various kinds of paywalls and subscriptions, and Spotify is like a huge new presence that is, I think, in ways that makes makes me pretty uncomfortable. Changing a lot of things, of course, you know, I pay for Spotify, so even if I guess there's a free version, but you know what I mean. So it seems to me like it's going to keep growing as a commodity. That doesn't necessarily tell me what it's gonna mean for journalism. I, I'm really not sure what to say about that because making, a lot of people have gravitated to podcasting because they think it's cheap and easy to make. And it's not, not if you're making, I mean, it's not period, but especially not if you're actually making journalism because you still have to have journalists and some kind of journalism infrastructure. So we're still in this weird nether region in my experience where like the kind of norms of that haven't really been worked out. And, you know, so I certainly assume there will be evolution there, but you know, I worry that, you know, the reason that I am still glad the NPRs of the world are out there is because they might be the, or one of the biggest podcasters, but they are still the large majority of their work is still journalism oriented. And like, there actually aren't like, I suppose the New York times would be another example of that, but there aren't a lot of, you know, if you look at these big podcasting companies, they're not a lot of journalism companies. And so I worry about that.
0: Yeah. That's kind of exactly why I wrote this paper, why I was so interested in it, because, you know, I've, I've listened to podcasts for for a while now and, I started listening when I was in high school and now as a senior in college, especially over quarantine, mm-hmm. I was, started to listen to random podcasts and it seemed like every single person had a podcast just to have a podcast and a lot of them really didn't have any substance to them and they were just like famous people speaking and and thinking it was easy and a lot of, I didn't really right. listen to a couple of them and I didn't, I didn't really gravitate towards them because I thought they were kind of just a quick grab for money. And I mean, I'm sure they were, and I'm sure they're making lots of money off them, but the whole podcast industry, I think, I think it's definitely growing. So like you said, and I'm glad that you mentioned like the the journalism part, because I do think now that's kind of being lost in the shuffle to a degree. Well, I really appreciate your time. I, I don't have any other questions um, at the moment. If I do, I'll, am sure I'll, I'll email you. Um, but I really appreciate this. Thank you so much for helping me out with my my senior project.
1: I just thought of the thing I I had forgotten and and you've probably already come across it. But I think I've been really intrigued by some of the writing and thinking that has compared what's going on in podcasting to, to how blogging developed and changed. And so I presume you've already come across that um i know the the main thing i remember I, I know josh benton wrote about it in neiman lab really well very smartly so i if you haven't already read that i i think there's a lot to be said about the idea that a certain kind of podcasting is likely to follow a similar pathway
0: gotcha i have not read that so i will read that i will yeah. I can go.
1: I'll, I'll google really quick when we get off and and send it to you if i can find it it shouldn't be that hard but
0: yeah awesome well like yeah. i said thank you so much for helping me out i really appreciate yeah. it
1: good luck with everything
0: thank you i will
1: okay take care pat
0: have a great day thank you hi everyone welcome back to the second episode of my capstone project the evolution of podcasting thank you guys for joining me for my first episode and i'm glad we have another good one planned for today Our special guest for today's episode is Ms. Allison McAdam. Ms. McAdam is a veteran of both the radio and podcasting industry, and I'm so glad she could join us. She gave some really good insight throughout the interview, and I think it really added to the depth of my project. Without further ado, Ms. McAdam. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. We've got one more episode left, and I'm really excited about it. Our last guest will be Marina Molnar, who has her own podcast about the Boston Bruins and hockey team. I'm really excited for this, and I'm really excited to wrap up this project on a bang. See you guys next time. Thanks.